Coming to you from the Spirit Lounge, I'm your host, Lily. With me is my co-host, Vanessa, and this is the Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. The holidays are supposed to be a time of joy with families and friends coming together to share memorable moments with loved ones. Unfortunately, though, in today's stories, the traumatic events surely left families and all of those involved with horrible memories. These tales are sure to haunt the holiday season. Okay, so before we get into our haunting holiday tales, let's talk about today's featured drink. It's the Three Mills Gingerbread Mold Wine. So this one goes really well with today's theme, definitely holiday inspired. And Vanessa, when you mentioned this one, I just thought, oh my gosh, yes, absolute (laughs) must-have. So it says that this Three Mills is one of the UK's best-selling drink brands, and this specific wine is actually an international wine and spirit competition award winner. So Mm, wow, you picked really well, apparently, with this one. I didn't know that, but (laughs) wow. Lucky guess, I guess. Right. And then from the, uh, the bottle itself, it's talking about like the tasting notes of it. Um, And it says that it combines all things festive uh, with this gingerbread mold wine. It's kind of like a traditional mold wine and it has those traditional flavors like the red berries enhanced with warming spices and mouth watering aromas of freshly baked gingerbread. So you can serve this one warm as well, which... Mm -hmm. I actually didn't think about until mm. we were all setting this up. Right. But that would have been actually nice to kind of like get it all heated warm. up. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more holiday, mm-hmm. holiday feeling, holiday vibes. Right. And I'm sure you get the scents, you know, the smells in the kitchen right. of all right. of those uh, spices and fruits coming together. So I love like mold wines just in yeah. general. Like mm-hmm. I know we had actually made one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say from scratch. I no, mean, clearly we're uh-uh. not making wine from scratch. No. But like the, the uh, yeah. whole like uh, adding in all the the flavors, right. you know, like the fruits mm-hmm. and spices with the wine and warming yeah. it up. That was fun. That, that was, was nice. fun. Yeah, we made that like a few holidays past. I want to say we did that in a crock pot, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. I think we did, but it smelled really good. It tasted so good. Mm -hmm. And I like doing it that way, too, because I feel like you can have kind of just the wine Mm -hmm. brewing. Yeah. And you can just keep going back for more and more. Like, clearly, (laughs) you pretty much finished, like, this whole bottle. I I haven't even tried it yet because I'm trying to, like, give my first impressions. Clearly, you didn't care about that. (laughs) So, unfortunately, I only bought one bottle. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why you only got one. I am not sure, but the bottle is already half empty here. It's like we don't want more than one bottle of fun wine. Exactly. But gingerbread, I mean, if you like gingerbread alone, this is right up your alley. Well, pause, because I haven't even I haven't even tried it yet. So (laughs) you're kind of behind. (laughs) Okay, so here's here's my official my official official, your official thoughts. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. It really does taste like like holiday. It really does. <laughs> Whatever that tastes like, right. it tastes like holiday. So my thing is, is that I'm usually kind of iffy when it comes to dark wines, mm-hmm, only because mm-hmm. I don't like that burning mm-hmm. sensation, which right. I know a lot of people don't either. But right. 
This one is actually really smooth, mm-hmm. light. It is. And you don't even have that burning feeling. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It's like, it's it's very fruity. Mm-hmm. You can really taste that. Um, what did they say it was? Red red berries. Mm-hmm. I can really, I can really taste that. Right. I have to, I have to drink some more. I have to go for another. I know this one. You can't, once you drink it, you really can't stop. Like it's one of those that just, you don't realize that you're finishing the bottle until you look at it. It is actually really smooth. Like you mm-hmm. said though, I feel like it's, I feel like it's dangerous because I it feel like actually, it's almost like juice. I know. I know it's it. It's so good. Yeah. This is good. So what's your rating then? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like what's, what's our rating system? Like what are we one, gonna do one, one to, through five one through five i would do five definitely this is a definite five, five santa hats <laughs> five, there you go i love that <laughs> five santa hats this is good i could actually really picture myself drinking this like maybe in front of a fire mm-hmm, watching mm-hmm. like a christmas movie or something being yes. cozy i love that i know and actually i'm sure you could pair this with like gingerbread cookies or something I like that i wish we had gingerbread cookies we have some peppermint bark Actually, I forgot we had it here. So. I know. But that's actually good, too. You're kind of just pairing all the mm-hmm. holiday fun into one, really. Yeah, that's good. It's actually really that's good. It's really good. Yeah, I've been kind of sampling that already. Wait, <laughs> so what's your what's your rating? I give it five Santa five, hats as well. Five Santa hats. Yeah. This is, this is a definite. I think this is one that you could definitely bring to a holiday gathering. And everybody will like oh, it. Oh, for sure. Totally. Mm-hmm. So don't forget, you could heat this one up, add your fruits, spices, or just right out of the bottle, which is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's easy and people love it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's good with the the peppermint bark, too, because the mm-hmm. peppermint bark is like a dark chocolate, it looks like. Yeah. So that's good. Mm. This is really good. Yeah, I'm loving this I love one. this. We're uh-huh. going to definitely have to get more. <laughs> For sure, a favorite of mine. <laughs> And I think I'm on the same page as you though about like the the dark wines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the the wines that you use for like mold mold wines and uh-huh. stuff. I remember yeah. the last one. It was a little bit more. I don't even know what you would call that. A little bit more alcohol intensive. Yeah. And so you could really tell. Mm-hmm. This one you can't. Right. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it depends on the way you look at it. <laughs> so definite A plus. Love the drink mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good drink, a good way to pretty much be the last one of the season. Yeah. Quite honestly. Totally. Good, good note to leave it on. Going out with a bang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we have this amazing drink that I feel since you've already had half the bottle, I feel like the rest <laughs> is mine. But so I'll be drinking the rest of it throughout throughout the, the story here that you're going to read. Sounds so good. Let's get into some holiday hauntings. All right. Here we go. We take you now to life in Chicago in 1903. Chicagoans were very optimistic about where their city was headed. They were getting over the city's big fire and trying to move on. They were also still on a high from hosting the Columbian Exposition in grand style in 1893. This was a time when Chicagoans considered themselves a rival to New York City in many ways, including in the arts. Located at 2428 West Randolph Street, the Iroquois Theater was a marvel to modern construction. Designed by Benjamin Marshall in a Renaissance style, 
it was highly luxurious and had been deemed fireproof upon its opening in 1903. This was similar to what they said about the Titanic being unsinkable. It was almost like foreshadowing of the theater's unfortunate future. While the city inspector raved about the construction, others were much more skeptical, but construction was rushed. Officials were bribed to ensure the Iroquois Theater was open for the holidays. Writer for Fireproof Magazine, William Clemender, reported the excessive amounts of wood trim in the construction, no fire alarms, and the complete lack of a sprinkler system made the Iroquois Theater more of a tinderbox than absolutely fireproof. In addition, the single staircase, which was the jewel for the architects, was against a city ordinance that required separate staircases for each balcony. A city fire captain noticed these problems and expressed his concern to the building's fire warden. Because there were construction delays, the building was behind schedule. This then caused the owners to do the unthinkable, cut corners in the construction. The next events would seal the theater's fate. The building fire warden informed the city fire captain that he would lose his job if he brought the safety concerns to the owners. The fire captain reported to his supervisor at the fire station, who simply shrugged and said, they have a fire warden, and deferred to his judgment. The number of seats in the Iroquois Theater was 1,602. However, as was common, standing room only tickets were sold to further increase the capacity of the crowd and gate revenue. Furthermore, Exit doors were often locked during the show to prevent non-ticketed spectators from sneaking in and watching the show. Since the theater had so many exit doors, 30 in all, many thought one could exit quicker in an emergency if needed. Nevertheless, the Iroquois Theater opened and everything was running smoothly for a good six weeks. That all gravely changed on December 30th, 1903, during an afternoon matinee performance of Mr. Bluebeard, a children's comedy starring a well-known comedian named Eddie Foy. The first act of the play went fine, but around 3.20 p.m. during the second act, the Chicago Tribune reports ballerinas and blue and gold were dancing on the stage, a flash was seen near an electric spotlight, and flames spread across a drape and ended up igniting an area containing flammable oil-painted backdrops hanging from oiled ropes. Tony Sibelski from Chicago Hauntings Ghost Tours said, At first, no one panicked, as they had been told the theater was fireproof and even had a fireproof curtain made of asbestos and wood pulp going down the center. Boy even took to the stage and implored people not to worry, saying people could exit calmly if it became necessary, and even singing them a little song. When the fire curtain came down, it snagged 
and failed to make it all the way. Even attempts to pull it down manually didn't work. At that point, spectators, many of them women and children, started to panic as they made a mad rush for the doors. Meanwhile, the casting crew opened a set of outside doors, which let in air that caused a backdraft effect and sent a ball of fire into the theater. A Tribune report said even the fire curtain burned like a rag. Initially, nobody could find the exit doors because there was no marking or lighting to designate them. Theater owners thought such displays would be distracting from the show. Even when people found the exit doors, most of them turned out to be locked with huge deadbolt locks. Up in the balcony, people exited through the doors leading to the fire escapes, but roughly 120 people ended up falling to their deaths from fire escapes into the alley below. The alley between Lake and Randolph Streets, going east from State Street, officially the first of several disjointed pieces of a minor street called Couch Place, was called Death's Alley in the newspapers the very next day. The reason so many people fell to their deaths is because the fire escapes were not finished, and patrons did not realize there was not enough space to hold them all until it was too late. Reports say some workers cleaning at the Northwestern University building across the alley lowered planks to get some people across the alley, and a few made it, but many did not. People also could not get out of the back end of the building. They ran toward the front end under the marquee where they came in, but even then, they had a hard time getting out. Today, one would expect an exit door to have a bar on it, with which one would push the door outward. But the entry and exit doors for the Iroquois pushed inward. Meanwhile, the fire department was nowhere to be seen, because no alarm had been pulled to send them. A stagehand finally pulled a manual fire alarm at Randolph and Dearborn Streets, because... There was no fire alarm connected in the building. By the time firefighters arrived, it was too late. They opened the front doors to find an eerie silence and a sight of dead bodies stacked up in rows. The fire remains the single deadliest single building fire in terms of loss of life in American history and the single deadliest theater fire in the world, Sabalski noted. The next day, December 31st, the Chicago Tribune had their story about the deadly fire from the day before. An article stated, 571 lives were destroyed by fire in the Iroquois Theater in the 15 minutes between 3.15 and 3.30 yesterday afternoon. Of the dead, less than 100 were identified last night. Of the identified, nearly all were so badly burned that recognition was impossible. 
only by trinkets and burned scraps of wearing apparel will the bodies of hundreds be made known to their families. The number was not final. A total of 602 patrons died in the fire at the Iroquois Theater. Today, the theater is known as the Needlelander Theater. Cass and crews report that while they're rehearsing on stage, they will look up in the balcony and see shadow figures moving around. People also reported seeing apparitions of strangers on the back stairs wearing period wear from the turn of the last century. One-time cast member Anna Gasteyer, a Saturday Night Live alumna, appeared on the show's Celebrity Ghost Stories to talk about what she thought were experiences with the paranormal. She described the alley behind it that's Sally, in her words, as a place that, quote, always had the gloomiest, darkest, most dismal. It was a terrible alley. It really was terrible. It felt terrible, end quote. In 2005 and 2006, Gastire played the Wicked Witch of the West in Wicked. At the end of Act One, she notes in Celebrity Ghost Stories, there is a climatic moment when the witch is learning to fly and a huge amount of smoke and fog envelops the auditorium as the orchestra soars. While flying, Gastire reported she would look out to the sides and see people in the wings. She said there were a lot of stagehands on the production, but this was more people than should have been there. But then once she landed, there wouldn't be anybody there. She also reported hustling down the hallways from her dressing room in her witch dress with no one around and reported first hearing a child's voice. She said she turned a corner and found a woman at the end of the hall near the stairwell. The woman was with two children, a boy and a girl. All were in turn of the last century period dress. Back in Death's Alley, Sabalski says people tend to encounter things and take lots of strange pictures, especially along the back walls. He also said one friend who claims to have psychic abilities and who came on a lot of ghost hunting tours with him said he feels too much energy in that alley. It would not even walk down it. It is clear that many people were abruptly taken that afternoon on December 30th, 1903. What they thought was going to be a fun, eventful outing at the theater with family and friends devastatingly turned into a nightmare. Many of them may still be reliving those moments in the theater, and many may be trying to contact those that are visiting the theater in order to be heard. Okay, Lily, so that's my story for you. So what are your comments and thoughts? Yeah, this one was a a sad one, I think, mm-hmm. because number one, it's a fire and there's families going to this place, attending a performance. Right. But on top of that, it's like the holiday season. Yeah, definitely. The funny thing that I really, <laughs> that really caught me, though, was 
there's a fireproof magazine. Right? I know. Okay. I mean, do a lot of people read this magazine? I mean, Um, is there a high circulation on a fireproof magazine? It's because you're not a firefighter. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) But that was funny to me. What really stuck out, though, was I guess it, it doesn't surprise me, though, that it pointed out all these issues with the theater Mm -hmm. and pretty much saying why it wasn't fireproof Mm -hmm. and how at any given point something really could happen right and the theater people still didn't care right and actually i did see that in the encyclopedia of chicago uh, many theaters were actually being built and rebuilt due to fires popping up oh that's crazy a lot so because of that the people that you know were the architects and things that were building here that's why they wanted to name this one fireproof because of what was occurring oh, around okay the area I so see. they thought they were combating a problem and they were kind of reassuring mm. people oh this one's okay we're Which gonna be is good weird though i mean because i mean <clears throat> it listed a bunch of stuff that was wrong with it and if you're claiming no to kidding. be like I a know. fireproof building theater whatever the heck i mean the fact that the door was it the exit doors the doors mm-hmm. locked yeah. during performances mm-hmm. like what the heck <laughs> is that you're, you're locking me in right it's like why would you do that well and why would you do that i get it but they would say they didn't want people sneaking in but you would think that they would have like maybe bouncers there or something right right somebody watching the doors right yeah i mean all of this stuff i, I guess I, I just don't get it mm-hmm. you know i mean I do, Mm -hmm. obviously, because it's Chicago, number one. I mean, crime is like crazy and people bribing each other like crazy. And actually, speaking of bribing, that's what happened. So after everything was said and done, Mm -hmm. people were bribed, people were paid, and nobody got in trouble. Even though they wanted to sue people, but according to some of the research that I saw... Oh, was it the families that wanted to sue people? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, big wigs, the big people got to, you know, like judges and cops and things like that oh, ahead of time. Okay, okay. And so they bribed them. They paid them off um, in order to get the families and things out of their... Oh, geez. Out of their hair. Yeah. So nobody really got blamed for what had happened. Figures. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. The funny thing is... It did. No, the only person that did get blamed um, was a guy that was pickpocketing a lot of the dead bodies. Oh, my God. They actually caught him and they took him to jail. Yeah. Yeah. So So you have all these dead bodies that you don't care about. But the person pickpocketing. Uh Uh-huh. That's that's ridiculous. Right. Something that stuck out that stuck out to me, though, Mm -hmm. was so this was like in 1903. Right. It said, I think. And then the the whole with them selling more tickets than mm-hmm. they have uh seats, seats available yeah. yeah so that reminded me of like the eastland disaster i was gonna tell you that yeah this it's like the actually, same thing yes this reminded me of that i was gonna bring that up too and like the eastland was like what in 1915 i think it was so just a few years later you think you would think that people would learn their lesson but i guess mm-hmm. not right i mean all they see is money at yeah. that point. They're like, oh, more money. That's mm-hmm. that's great. That's all we want. Right. So, yeah, that that struck me. Right. Another thing that that I thought was crazy, though, was with the doors, the doors like pulling inward instead of pushing out. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, there's going to be issues. Yeah. 
and people like stuck because Gosh, I mean I you, know. you can imagine like these mm-hmm. crowds of people just trying to get outside right. this door and, and everything is pushing yeah everything's chaotic and you can't you can't open the door because I'm sure people are being pushed right. against these doors right. yeah I mean I just think of like Black Friday shopping oh you know yeah that's good example that's exactly that's what exactly I, what happens <laughs> <laughs> i mean seriously though right, right i mean the fact that it said that it was the deadliest single theater fire in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's surprising and and sad at the same time just because it's it's something that could have i could've, guess in my eyes could have been avoided right right it could have people because, actually cared right and if people were listening because again like you said Things were being brought up. Mm -hmm. People were noticing, you know, things that were not up to code. Right. But like you said, you know, nobody cared. Right. And so that whole the 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 Death Alley thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Don't you have a story on Death Alley, by the way? Yes. I thought you said you went and visited, didn't you? I did. Um, So me and two other people, we actually took a, a tour, like a haunted tour there in Chicago. And this was actually one of the stops on the tour and it was cool because we get to this one Mm -hmm. and they stopped us like right in the alley and so everybody like came off the bus and was walking around the alley that's cool and it was cool because the the tour guide he was telling us the story as we're standing there in the alley Mm -hmm. so you can get like those spooky vibes right right and so we actually uh myself and somebody else actually have a picture taken together Mm -hmm. in this in this alley oh cool and did you feel anything or um, i'm sure this was a long time ago you probably don't remember that it must have been like 10 years ago that Mm -hmm. that we did this 10 plus really Mm -hmm. but i i don't remember feeling anything i think more so i was weirded out by the story because i mean this is where all those bodies landed you mm-hmm. know and just right. knowing that that's kind of spooky yeah because you're standing there right and you're just kind of you, picturing it right it gives you a weird feeling mm-hmm. just because it's sad i mean really these people just wanted to come see this performance and mm-hmm. tragedy struck right know? especially around like you had mentioned before around the yeah. holidays yeah this is really like just think about if your family members were in this theater Right. During the holidays, you right. know, and you didn't go. Right. You were just waiting for them at home or whatever the case was. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really, really sad. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like after this, I don't know if you saw that anywhere in while you were writing like the story and getting mm-hmm. your research and stuff. But wasn't it something that uh, after this happened, then it pretty much set precedent for other things. Like there was laws yeah. now, like yeah. legit, like you can't do this or right. whatever the heck. Yeah. So this actually sparked that all those laws to go in effect. Yeah. Which it's unfortunate that, you know, such a, you know, big tragedy had to occur for them to mm-hmm. really realize, oh, I guess we better right pay attention to all this stuff that goes into building a building right <laughs> it's stuff that you would think is common sense mm-hmm. you would think and i mean on top of that it's not like they it's not like they didn't know like right. they were told numerous mm-hmm. times this 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 right and then it's like they just they pressed on right because of you know their deadlines they that they have the other on, way right so so yeah that was that was a sad story it was it was but but it was interesting and yeah we needed to hear this right right even sadder is 
the next oh, story. Yes. This this is even sadder. Um, we should probably give like a trigger warning for this one. Yeah, for sure. Just because the following story does involve small children, mm-hmm. very small children. Right. And unfortunate circumstances. So definite trigger warning here. Our next holiday haunting comes from Germantown, North Carolina on December 25th, 1929. The Lawson family was like every typical family of this time, or so it seemed. Mothers and fathers trying to care for their families, working hard and keeping busy with the family duties. In 1911, Charles Lawson married Fanny Manring with whom he had eight children. In 1918, Lawson's younger brothers moved to Germantown and Charles followed suit. Tragedy struck the family in 1920 when one of the children died due to illness. The Lawsons worked as tenant tobacco farmers, saving enough money to buy their own farm. In 1927, they were finally able to buy their farm on Brook Cove Road. As was known to happen in those days, men were known to beat their wives and children, whipping them with boards of wood or slapping and abusing the women. Charles was no different. Charles was known to be strict, according to neighbors. One day, Charles was out working in the fields and sustained a head injury. A doctor bandaged up his wounds and Charles never spoke of the incident again. Some say that Charles was never the same after this. In December of 1929, things took a turn for the worse. In the days leading up to Christmas Day, Charles, in a very out-of-character moment, decided to take his whole family to town shopping for new clothes. To everyone's surprise and excitement, he told them, that they could pick out a new outfit for a family portrait. This was extremely odd because being a hardworking farmer, typically going out and spending this kind of money was out of the ordinary. The practice of having a family picture taken was for those who normally had a lot of money to spend. At the time the portrait was taken, Arthur was 16 Marie was 17, Charles was 43, Fanny was 37, and is seen holding baby Mary Lou, aged four months old, in this portrait. Daughter Carrie was 12, Raymond was 2, Maybelle was 7, and James was 4. Christmas Day finally arrived. Everyone was eager and excited for the celebrations that were to occur later in the day. Due to the lavish shopping trip that they took days prior, nobody was really expecting gifts, but everyone was just as happy to spend time with the family. Marie woke up early to bake a cake for the planned family festivities. Arthur was sent out on errands to town by his father. While Marie was baking, the two younger sisters, Carrie and Maybelle, set off to visit their aunt and uncle that lived nearby. Little did they know that they would all soon be involved in such a horrific incident that would incite questions, speculations, horrible grief, and heartache. 
unknowingly, Charles, with his 12-gauge shotgun, was hiding and waiting behind the barn on the property. He heard the girls coming towards him. As they passed, he shot his daughters in the back, then bludgeoned them with a piece of wood. He placed their bodies inside the barn in an almost symbolic state, with their arms crossed and placed rocks under their heads, almost like pillows. With his first deed done, Charles then headed towards the house. He found his wife of 20 years sitting on the porch where he shot and killed her instantly. He proceeded to enter the house and found Marie screaming. He shot her, then continued in his spree of madness. The youngest boys, James and Raymond, heard the shots ring out, saw the hysteria, and ran to hide. After searching the house, Charles found each one and killed them. He then took Mary Lou and bludgeoned her. After his murderous rampage, Charles went into the woods. Finding a tree, he began to pace around it in constant circles. Eventually, Arthur arrived home to a horrific scene. His entire family had been murdered. He alerted authorities, believing that intruders must have broken in and committed the heinous crime. Ultimately, police were able to conclude that Charles was to blame for the horrible murders. They told Arthur the news of his father's crime, and he collapsed. When police found Charles in the woods, they noticed that he had apparently paced around the tree so much that the snow had melted around it. At some point, he sat down at the base of it, put the gun in his mouth, and pulled the trigger. He had letters written out to his parents, but there was nothing that explained his motive. The funeral attracted many to the town of Germantown, North Carolina. Drawn by the gravity of the situation and wanting to visit the house of the murders, visitors came to take a peek of the massacre house in the spring. This gave an economic boom for the small town. Tourists were coming to visit the house, but also to stay in the motel, eat at the restaurant, and do some shopping. As decades passed, the house became old and started falling apart. But that didn't stop visitors from passing through. Sometimes, visitors would talk about feeling a presence in the house. In 1980, the house was demolished and replaced with an open, cultivated field. Of course, that didn't mean that ghostly activity had stopped. The home that once belonged to the Lawson's closest neighbors is now a bed and breakfast. The owners have reported seeing a little boy and girl appearing from time to time. After this going on for some time, the owners decided to do some research of their own. After reaching out to a local historian, they discovered who the children were after seeing the Lawson family photo. No one will ever know the truth behind what happened on this Christmas Day years ago. It's evident, though, 
that the spirits aren't at rest and perhaps want to know why such a tragic event happened, taking the lives of an entire family. So, Vanessa, that was our last story. Have you ever heard of this one? No, I have not. Have you heard of this one? Before that? No, it's yikes. <laughs> it's super crazy. Wow. Like, yeah. And I'm just going to say, you know, there's a lot of uh, more graphic detail mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't put into it just because, I mean, it's it's super sad. I mean, talking about yeah. such little kids. Right. I mean, geez. And they're, the fact that their own dad did yeah. this stuff, that's yeah. what baffles me. Yeah. That is so horrible. But I guess my question throughout the whole thing, it's like, why why right. did he do it? And what pushed him to go that far? Right. You know, so in the entire family. I why know. would he do that? I that's know. my whole question. But I noticed that there in the story that he had... Um, like trauma to his head. Yeah. So I didn't know. We don't know why, you know, or how, but so we did see that a lot of people speculate that that could be the reason why, you know, maybe he went on a rampage, maybe something triggered. Right. And that's kind of like, I hear this a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do too. Like about people possibly being, uh predisposed to potential mental illnesses and then something happens whether it's Mm -hmm. a tragic event Mm -hmm. or something like this Mm -hmm. where they say that you know he had trauma to his head Mm -hmm. you know maybe that brought on if he did have some kind of a predisposition position you know maybe it was like schizophrenia maybe it was something like that you know right and that's that's what struck me when when uh we were reading this i'm Mm -hmm. like oh i wonder i wonder if that because i had seen too that it didn't really get said too often but i think it was uh charlie's wife had told um i think it was her sister that at one point he was hearing voices oh really Mm -hmm. no i didn't know that it was people people speculate that he was hearing these voices Mm -hmm. and these voices were telling him to do stuff what does that remind you what does this remind you of what story uh the um that house the um amityville amityville Mm -hmm. yes yeah i was actually thinking that when you were reading it yes yeah yeah i mean especially now with the voices and Mm -hmm. the telling you to do stuff right 100 percent right Another thing, though, too, that I um, did see, like in research, some people and they're not sure, but they speculated that um, Marie actually was carrying the oldest daughter. Yep. Mm -hmm. Carrying his child, Charlie's child. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And Mm -hmm. something like he told her, if you ever tell anyone, then there would be like death coming or something like that. Right. Right. So. And I saw that as well. Apparently, she did at a sleepover. She told somebody? Yeah. She told her closest friend. And then I want to say that the friend then told her parents. Oh, gosh. Yeah, because the dad, because it did say that um, the the guy, the dad, a neighbor, um, knew of it, knew of the issue. So I don't know. But apparently, I guess in the photo, they speculate that she's pregnant 
Oh, gee. Have you seen the picture? Yeah. It's creepy. I know. And see, in the photo, too, I have questions. We'll, we'll post the photo on social just so you guys can see it, too. It's it's a creepy picture. I want to know. Look, I mean, if you see his face, Charles' face. He's like looking off. And he has kind of like a weird look about him. Like kind of, I don't know, just like a, not as, I don't want to say smirk, but I don't know. Like just kind of an ornery look yeah, to him. Yeah. You know, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. out of everybody, his face does not, I don't know, I guess fit well in right. that photo. Right. Because everybody's so serious and he's kind of not as serious right. looking. I don't know. Well, which is weird because, okay, so going back to the whole uh, possibility of some kind of maybe mental illness or something, you know. Right. So, I mean, it sound it sounds like this whole trip you know into town and him getting the whole family excited about doing this and mm-hmm. yeah legit everybody was super excited because like i said i mean it was definitely and out that's of the ordinary my other question why would he do that but anyway go on well maybe he, it was like some kind of like a manic episode you know like before he's like beating the kids and he was known to be very very strict very stern very unemotional you know he was just like that very detached type of person and to the point where even i had seen that the oldest boy when he eventually got to a point where he was bigger than Mm -hmm. charles Mm -hmm. he kind of you know stood up to him and was like you know what you aren't doing this to me anymore like you can't beat me you can't do any of this you can't even do any of this to my mom or my siblings, you know, and he's the one that kind of like stood up to them. Hmm. And after that, they Mm -hmm. say that Charles kind of cooled it a little bit because he knew like, Mm -hmm. I mean, in that picture, you can see that um, the son is, he's, he's a bigger, he's a bigger guy. He does look big. Yeah. And so I think Charles, Charles knew that he really couldn't get away with much now if Buck Right. Yeah. They called him Buck, yeah. Arthur, Arthur Buck, if if he was around, which is mm-hmm. why he said, <gasps> oh, OK, I don't know. Clearly, because I was going to. That was my next that question. That was another would, okay. theory that okay. that's why he sent him off into town that day. Oh, that makes because a lot of sense. Otherwise, he would have been able to stop him. Like he was the only one in the family that mm-hmm. could have stopped Charles okay. from doing doing all of this. Well, and that's what my next question was, because I wondered why of all of them he sent him off but that makes sense yeah so and and it's weird though because i mean i saw people asking like why why didn't he you know kill him too you know at least like you know shot in the back like he did with the girls Mm -hmm. um you know even if he could have overpowered him you know something like that where he where buck wouldn't have seen it coming you know he totally could have if he really wanted to right but then other people speculated that maybe it was to kind of get back at him for doing oh, all of this, okay. you know, for making me feel like I no longer have power over you. Now you are going to have to live the rest of your life knowing I killed your family. Wow. That makes a lot of you sense know? because throughout that whole thing, I wondered why. And I was just kind of just coming up with my own conclusions, I figured, well, maybe he wants the last name to live on. Yeah. Maybe he felt something for him and he right. wanted to spare him. But 
everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, Buck eventually I saw he ended up uh, dying. Wasn't it in a in a car crash? Yeah. 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 I thought I saw that. He wasn't old. He wasn't old at all. Like maybe 30s, 40s around there. So Mm -hmm. he was still young. I want to say that was in the fifties. I want to say you might be right. I you think that's right. what I saw. But yeah, you're right. He did have a family, yeah, of his own. But I mean, I guess to to Charles' point, if that's really what it was mm-hmm. to make Buck live with all of this, yeah, it was Buck. Obviously, did end up having a horrible rest of his life. I'm sure he yeah. ended up i saw turning into like an alcoholic oh really yeah oh wow um he was i'm sure he was traumatized he had to have been right and so obviously living with maybe that thought of if i wouldn't have gone i could have done something that's true yeah but, that's awful but what was creepy buck you know of course uh i said he's an alcoholic he turned into an alcoholic because of all of right all of this trauma and everything and mm-hmm. trying to cope with that but it was said too that like on Christmas, like Christmas is after that. Mm-hmm. He would lock himself in his room and play like this really creepy song that is by I actually listened to it. It's mm-hmm. called it's uh, by the Carolina Buddies. Mm-hmm. And I have to look up what it's called because hold on. The Carolina Buddies. The Carolina Buddies. And the song is called The Murder of the Lawson Family. It was recorded in, I think it was in 1930. Okay. I think I did see something about a song, but I really didn't pay much attention to it. It's like a super, I don't know if it was 1930. I could be Mm -hmm. making that up, but it is. It's 1930. I just saw Okay. Okay. So 1930, Carolina Buddies, The Murder of the Lawson's Family. Mm -hmm. So Buck would listen to this song on Christmas Day, locked in his room, drinking. Oh my gosh. Talk about like traumatic and I listen, wow. I listen to the song. It's a super like folky, old timey, bluegrassy type okay. style song. Yeah. Right. But I mean, pretty much the song just like describes the events of that day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they talk about so-and-so left. Charles kills the, the two youngest, then goes this, oh, then wow. does this, then. That is horrible. And then it, it gives, it gives like. It's super sad. It's like, I don't even want to say it. Yeah. But it's like, there's a line where it says like, daddy, will you please let us go or something like that? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gosh. like, oh my gosh. Tears. Yeah. No kidding. That's awful. And the fact that he listens to this. Yes. That's so sad. I mean, anybody out there, if you want to get creeped out and cry, I mean, listen. Have a good cry on Christmas. <laughs> listen to this song. <laughs> also too, I did see that they have a movie Oh, of this they? yeah it's called a christmas family tragedy oh my gosh. if you look it up on imdb yeah they have that as well i and i had never heard of this i haven't either and apparently it has 5.7 stars oh, out of geez. 10 <laughs> oh, okay out of 10 out of 10 okay so not good but no but it's i guess it's a well they label it as documentary so mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. if you want to look up more info you could check that out well, while I was looking for the name of the song, yeah, I also see that. So Netflix has a series called 28 Days Haunted. Mm-hmm. It came out this year, 2022. Oh, anyways, it shows the place where the murders took place and describe oh, what wow. happened. Uh, I haven't seen the show. Now I feel like I want to go see it, though, and watch this specific episode. Oh, wow. 
And you know what? Aside from the movie I just said, I'm looking right now. Apparently, um, there's another one. Oh, okay. Oh, so there's two. Okay. It's the same thing, but it has two different covers. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So this one was 2006. It's has, it's kind of creepy looking too. The Jeez. cover is their house, but it looks like their house. Um, and there's a bunch of snow coming down, but oh it's, a, it's called a true crime documentary. But yeah, that would be interesting to check out. Yeah. So if you want to drink some of the gingerbread wine while watching it. Let me just say, so I already, I'm feeling it. Like this, <laughs> <laughs> this wine, it really sneaks up on you. It really gets. It's good. And I, I don't even know how I've gotten this far in the episode. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm slurring really now. gets you where it counts. <laughs> yeah. And like you said before, like you wouldn't even realize it until it's too late. It's too late for me. <laughs> until you're messing up this whole story. I have been slurring a little bit more, so we've had to edit out a lot. <laughs> I apparently can't read with when I'm drinking wine, so oh, too good. So but it yeah. just goes goes to show this is a good wine, great wine, a great wine that sneaks up on you and you just can't stop drinking. Just be it. careful. <laughs> but um, this was a good story though. I yeah, never yeah. heard of it, so. And it's like just this. like, yeah. I mean, being a parent, it's mm-hmm. it's so freaking sad. Like, yeah. even right now, I want to cry. I'm I like, know. Oh, my God. Just thinking about, like, the, the little ones, the little babies. Right. It's like, oh. Yeah, you couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So those are our two uh, stories for, dare I say, our last episode. Wow. Of this first season of our show. Yay. Wow. Gosh, I can't believe believe it. it. I I can't. I can't (laughs) believe that we've done, what is it, 21 episodes? That we've taken this journey. Yeah. It's it's been fun. Yeah, it has been been fun. Before we wrap up, though, I did want to touch on a a couple of things to kind of leave us here. Mm -hmm. So, um... The episode that we did with the uh, the Dan Viner, the Dan Viner furniture store, mm-hmm. and then how we ended up capturing that uh, crazy right. EVP recording. Yeah. So I ended up sending it to uh, the QC Haunts team, which is the people that ran the, the tour company, mm-hmm. right? They ended up getting back to me and pretty much saying, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. You caught something. <laughs> the head of QC Hans Mm -hmm. listened to it. She couldn't wait to listen to it. And she was just like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's definitely unexplainable. Definitely crazy. Definitely caught something. Right. Um, So she actually uh, asked if she could share it with the rest of her team, which was awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that and I just, I I still think it's awesome. I know. So, you know, I guess we'll see if, if they come back with anything, but at least the, uh, affirmation by the uh, lead investigator of QC Hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that made me feel like, oh wow, yeah, we. I know. I mean, awesome. I already knew like that we caught something, right? But still. Totally. <laughs> and then a little ghost story for you, actually. Oh, so do share. <laughs> it's scary, but it's like a nice scary type mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. So I don't know if there's like a nice scary ghost story, <laughs> but possibly. <laughs> Um, okay, so the other day, I think it was like two days ago, mm-hmm. we we're sitting up uh, in the living room uh-huh. on the couch and my son was playing 
you know, in the living room with all of his toys. So he's out there having fun. And then all of a sudden he just like he he was already up and kind of jumping around and mm-hmm. doing his deal. And then he walks over to uh, the hallway mm-hmm. and he kind of just peeks his head uh, into the hallway. And he keeps doing this thing where he keeps like peeking his head in and out. And then he peeks it again. And he's mm-hmm. like, hi. And he peeks it back out like, or peeks it back in. And yeah. then he's going back and forth. Hi. Uh-huh. Hi. Hi, Papo. And for anybody out there, Papo is what he calls uh, my dad. So his grandpa, he calls Papo. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hi. Hi, Papo. Hi. And oh my gosh. I kind of just like freeze. Mind you, Papo is alive. Papo is alive and well. Right. And so I kind of just like freeze and I'm like, and my eyes like start watering, you yeah. know, like, I don't know if anybody out there, your eyes like water when you get like really scared or nervous. <laughs> and like, and I wasn't even like scared, scared, uh-huh. but I was just like, what the heck just right. happened? Like you're curious. And yeah. You're, and so, well, yeah. And like, I didn't even move. Like I froze right. and I just looked at him and I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't say anything and just and then he went back to doing his deal. Like he starts playing. Like nothing. Like nothing. So oh my gosh. nothing affected him. Okay. The next day. So I had a day of the dead altar that I still hadn't taken down. Mm-hmm. Had all these pictures of a family up there. Right. So I got curious mm-hmm. and I got the picture of my grandpa, which is my dad. So Papo's dad. Right. My grandpa looks just like my dad. So... I grab <laughs> the picture and I show it to my son. Uh-huh. I say, who is this? Mm-hmm. And he points right at it. And he says, oh, Papo. Oh, my gosh. So right there again, I froze. I was uh-huh. like, oh, my gosh. I wonder if that's who he saw. You know what? I was actually wondering the same thing when you were telling this story. I was yeah. already trying to think about that. Wow. Like, as soon as he said that, that's crazy. You know, as soon as he was saying hi, Papa, yeah. that's the uh-huh. first thing that popped into my oh mind. My I was gosh. like, oh my gosh. But I didn't want to say anything, right. you know? Yeah. I didn't want to, like, well, kids do th- see things. And that's exactly what I thought. I'm yeah. like, you know what? You never know. Like, they always say that kids are like more open, right? You know, because they're so innocent and more willing to, like, you know, accept that stuff. Right. They don't know any better. No. Uh-uh. And of course, that's why he wouldn't be afraid because right. he doesn't even know. Right. He just, <laughs> see something oh right. hi yeah hi. you look like papo i think you're papo right hi, papo exactly yeah that was weird that's though nuts i know that's was, cool though it, it is but cool. it's, it's wild i mean to know that maybe like my grandpa's like visiting my son right which is cool i mean right. i love the concept and right. the idea but it's that's kind of scary, wild though. wow yeah. i know so i don't know well hmm. interesting I'll, I'll, something I'll, to think about i'll see if more if anything more happens yeah but back to this being the the end of our season, mm-hmm. we're coming back in February. Yep. February. Fe- February. <laughs> I was going to say February 2nd, but it's not even February 2nd. In February, we'll be coming back with season two. Right. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. And we'll have more tales to tell. I know. I'm, I'm already excited to see what we'll, I know. What we'll come up with. I'm already thinking of some some stuff here. Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> While we're gone. Yes. Feel free to go back to some missed episodes. Yeah, definitely. And 
share them please that would be so great yes and if you haven't rated us yet please go ahead and rate us please and if you would like to hear a certain topic go ahead and let us know we can talk about that topic Mm -hmm. or if you would like to email us and share with us one of your experiences that you had right or perhaps you visited an area that we've talked about Mm -hmm. share with us let us know how did it go we want to know right i mean if you have your own ghost story exactly and of course we will not share your name right if you don't want us to uh you can still catch us on uh, instagram and facebook because even though we'll be gone and not recording episodes we will still be posting some content on there maybe yeah finding some right. some little tidbits here and there definitely so more spooky content to come on there anything else and perhaps maybe we'll share some of our drink drink choices that we may come encountered encounter with yeah i mean because i'm sure we'll be making like a lot of fun drinks right. this this some holiday, holiday drinks yeah. yeah yeah so we'll probably post some suggestions up there for you guys as well right but i mean i guess for that's now yeah. yeah that's it we will see you guys again in 2023 next year yeah which is wow. weird to say and thank you to so many of you that are listening in and following us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we really appreciate it but with that i guess until next time Thanks for joining us for another happy hour in the Spirit Lounge. I'm Lily. And I'm Vanessa. And this was the Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you have Echo devices, an easy way to listen is just say, Alexa, play Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Plus, follow us on Facebook and Instagram to check out our next episode teaser and drink feature. See if you can guess what our next topic will be. Until next time, cheers! cheers.